either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, we've put away all the best of 2019 list, best of the decade list, and now we are striding pridefully into uh, the new <laughs> flicks for 2020. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from madwolf.com, and we're going to start out with one. Actually, it's a 2019 movie mm-hmm. released in New York and L.A. for the awards consideration that it's already getting big time. It's going to get more. And now it's out nationwide. Two young British soldiers during the First World War are given an impossible mission. Deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldiers' brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. 1917. I hoped today might be a good day. Hope is a dangerous thing. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. Let's talk about this for a minute. Why? We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. So this already won the Golden Globe for Best Director and for Best Dramatic Feature. Yeah, I would call that a surprise, wasn't it? I mean, not that I'm against it, I'm not, but I was a little surprised that it won Best Dramatic Feature. It's a um, lot. There's some heavy hitters it was yes, up against. Yes, there are, yeah, yeah but, absolutely. Uh, I think it gives it a lot of ammunition going into Oscar season, mm-hmm. which is going to, the Oscar nominations will be announced on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. I expect this to get a host of them. Yes, yeah, and rightfully so. It's a oh, great yeah. movie. It is not only one of the best. Well, it was on our best of list mm-hmm. uh, of the year, our podcast last week. But it's also, I think it's one of the best war movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and we've talked about that sort of, you know, gimmick of that it feels like it looks like a, a one long take. Of course right. it isn't, but it looks that way. And we mentioned that people can see that as just, oh, that's a gimmick. But the truth is, it really underscores the tension of the film. I mean, it wasn't just done as a trick it, mm-hmm. it it really it really elevates the narrative in very specific and and important ways yeah remember that one a few years ago it was elizabeth olsen the the uh, horror movie it was done in real time yes. it was a remake i can't remember that silent house yes and it was done in one take well supposedly right. one take that's one that comes to mind when you're thinking of the gimmick mm-hmm. because then you Im- immediately start playing spot the edit yep and when she walks through a dark room for one right. second, boop, there it is. Or you go back to Hitchcock's Rope mm-hmm. was one of the first films that, that you know, I, I'm aware of anyway, that put itself out as obviously there there were cuts, mm-hmm. but it looked like there weren't any cuts. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that you find yourself trying to find the cuts. And as you said in the review, that doesn't happen in this movie. Oh, Inside of a couple of minutes, you're just completely in. You're, you're just in. Completely drawn in. It's not only the direction. Sam Mendes is the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the last... Um, Skyfall. Well, no, it wasn't the last. He did last Skyfall. Now, but it's the best. Yeah. Bond movie, Skyfall. Uh, and some other things, of course. And he, it's just a brilliant job of directing. And he's a 
aided by the finally award-winning, longtime legendary cinematographer Roger Deakins. Maybe, I mean, among the very best cinematographers uh, in the history of cinema. Yeah, so this is another one, and we've been saying this about a few movies lately. See it on the big screen, for sure. See it on the big screen. Get the entire experience because the way the camera moves with these two corporals uh, around them it, it, it's it's like ballet worthy movements mm-hmm. as you follow them you really not you don't just follow them it feels like you're with them yeah like you are running yes. with them or, hiding with them going and then through these trenches oh and trying God. to trying to because of course Time, as it says in the uh, trailer, time is the enemy. Yeah. So as they go through these trenches full of soldiers, they have to try to wedge their way through them. They mm-hmm. can't just walk at no. the same pace. they got to no. move yeah. and everything like that. And then they encounter troubles. They encounter danger. They yeah. encounter attacks. They encounter the enemy. And it's just thrilling it's, from yeah, start it to is. finish. It absolutely is. It's just riveting material. And the performances are great. I mean, I just, everybody, including us, we, they talk about this one long take look. And, and I feel like you get away from every Everything else the film has going yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. You, you do mention the performances. The two corporals are played by George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman. They're both wonderful. They are. You can see on their faces, they're young. You can see the, the, the fear, mm-hmm. the apprehension mm-hmm. of what they're doing, of the faces of every soldier in yeah. every war. Yeah. That they're there to do, they were just plucked from their lives to do this job and, and do this incredible mission. And one of them, of course, one of them uh, has his brother to think mm-hmm. about as well, mm-hmm. as not just all the other men that will possibly be saved. So there's a real intimate, personal nature to mm-hmm. one of the men's mission. And it's just, yeah, it's it's incredible to watch. It's incredible to watch unfold. And it's one that if you just... Watch the trailer, and by the way, it's a great trailer. It is a great really, trailer. It's a great, it just sucks you in right away. But you might think, oh, that movie's three hours long, yeah. but it's not. No, no, it moves at a quick clip. It's not particularly long. It's, I think it's barely two hours. Yeah. But, yeah, it feels, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. It is an experience, and it's one that you just have to not only take in on the big screen, but I think you really, really do. You should take it in on the big screen to get the full to get the full effect. And, and by the end of it, you will really feel like you've, been through something. Yeah. I mean, not in the way you do when you see uncut gems. (laughs) 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 That's totally different, but it's an ex- it's an astounding piece of filmmaking. And I you know, I did a little bit of research. I looked back. There have been a few movies that apparently were done, really were done in one take. Mm -hmm. Um, I I haven't seen Sam Mendes speak on this. I it would just almost, the way this movie unfolds, it would be impossible. Impossible to do this in one take. But it looks like it. It really does. I'm thinking of a couple scenes in particular I don't want to spoil, but there's no way. There's no way they could have done those in one take. But just the level of, of craftsmanship uh, at work in this movie is just is among the best I've seen in years. And again, um, among the best war movies mm-hmm. that I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. And on his face, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Two guys have a mission. Yeah. Go. Sometimes, though, that, that makes for the best film. Oh, man. And you know what? We were talking about that a couple of years ago. Dunkirk and Darkest Hour mm-hmm. came out in the same year. And they just, they made for fascinating sort of bookends because, you know, the uh, one really leads into the other one. And what I thought was even more fascinating this year, the year started off with Peter Jackson's absolutely brilliant, beautiful, mesmerizing 
They Shall Not Grow Old, which is also set in World War One. But it's a documentary. It, it yeah. is a documentary. To begin the year with that and to end the year with 1917 is such a fascinating way to bookend this year. Yeah, those two together, especially, I, I would think, for history classes, yeah. should watch the both of them. No, I agree. Because the first one you've got, yeah, real footage, real restored footage of the real soldiers from World War One. Yeah, that's another one. If you haven't oh, seen, you, you need, you really do, you yeah. need to see They Shall Not Grow Old. It's brilliant. This is a, a great bookend to pretty much end 2019, but mm-hmm. now into 2020, of course, you're right. Two, two great movies about World War One that I think are just indispensable viewing. And if you haven't guessed, we wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly encourage you to see 1917. Next up is the story of world-renowned civil rights defense attorney Brian Stevenson working to free a wrongly condemned death row prisoner. It's just mercy. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You only know what you into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God. Mr. McMillan. We're done here. Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you're going to fight for me. I did. That mean a lot. You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. This is unfortunately a story, the type of story we've seen a lot, which is really a Another story in itself, because we've seen a lot of movies about wrongly convicted death row prisoners. So, number one, that tells you how many people on death row are not guilty. Right. Which is, as I said, another story. But it brings an ironic weight to this movie. Because, yeah, well, and before the movie even starts... You're, you you have a sympathy for it because you know you've seen this before. So that can work in its favor. But on the other end of that sword is the fact that, yes, you have seen this story so often. And while it is moving, this new telling of it doesn't really do anything new. It pretty much tells it by the numbers. Yeah, structurally anyway. I mean, not just because it starts... You know, it's got a beginning, middle, and end that you're going to basically expect, but also because it doesn't it doesn't vary in the way that films like this tend to present one dimensionally positive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't you don't get a, a lot of nuance for any of the characters really. Uh, and, um, one of the things that really saves this movie, makes it well worth seeing, really, is the performances. Oh yeah, uh, the Brian Stevenson. It's, this movie is based on his memoir. Mm-hmm. He was an attorney in Alabama working for the poor and uh, those who were on death row and and got an unfair trial. And he co-founded this Equal Justice Initiative Mm -hmm. uh, down there, which still which still exists. And, you know, just incredibly important work. Yes. And the movie really focuses on one case in particular, the case of. Walter McMillan, played by Jamie Foxx, and Stevenson is played by Michael B. Jordan. So you're right. Those two right there, yes. they elevate the film so, so much. They really do. Michael B. Jordan is always absolutely wonderful in everything. And the the, the truth is, he doesn't have much opportunity to find nuance with this character. Now, Jamie Foxx, he can be hit or miss, but when he's good, he's great. And he does get the opportunity to tear into this character and, and give him, you know, some substance. And he does a great job. And you can tell that the the 
director and co-writer is Destin Daniel Cretton, who has who hit with Short Term, Short Term 12, 12. What a and great then movie that was. missed with The Glass Castle. Yes, that was a disappointment. But the main thing about this movie, you, you can feel the respect yes. he has for telling this story. Yes, absolutely. He wants to tell it right. He wants to tell it accurately. And I'm guessing that is what probably lends itself to going by the numbers. Yeah. He doesn't want to paint too much outside the lines and respect this guy's story. So right. I do get that. But at the same time, the McMillan character is is painted a little more in, in just shades of hero. You don't get to see him be as much maybe of a real person right. as he, as great as Jamie Foxx is, and I do agree with that. Um, and it probably comes from the fact that he was respected this guy and what he went through so much and the stories like this that uh, Brian Stevenson continued to, to deal with. And you, you'll have those moments, of course, you'll get the big speeches mm-hmm. about injustice. Mm-hmm. You'll get the moments of just blood-boiling systemic oppression that makes oh, you just want to scream. Does. You'll see all that stuff. Unfortunately, we have seen that before in movies. Now, it's not that this does it badly. It doesn't. No, it's just that it doesn't do It's just that it does it too much by the numbers. You know, it's yeah. it's the, the problem is that we should feel something new when we see these. We should feel it should be like a, a Band-Aid being ripped off. And in telling such a very respectful by the numbers story, you don't really get that because you feel the whole time like you know what's coming, which really undercuts the the emotional impact that you should that, that, that a film like this should deliver. Yeah, and also in a strange way, Brie Larson, who is a, a favorite of uh, Cretton's, she was right. in, of course, Short Term Twelve and The Glass Castle. Mm-hmm. She is here as the co-founder of the Equal Justice Initiative with Brian Stevenson and uh, Eva Ansley who no doubt did important work, really did. But here, the character... Is, is seems, almost needless. Yeah, that's yeah, she the really, Yeah. And again, I'm sure that Cretton wanted to include her because she was did important work. Right. But to this film, she see, seems a little superfluous. Yeah. And, and Brie Larson, in particular, an Oscar winner, seems a little wasted. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so it's a it's certainly a solid story. It's a worthy story. It's one that deserves to be told and and what this man had to go through and as we said the just important important work that Brian Stevenson did and continues to do, but the movie plays it a little close to the vest. So you you will be moved but maybe not as much just based on the convention of the storytelling. That is just mercy. Let's go under the sea next. A crew of aquatic researchers work to get to safety after an earthquake devastates their subterranean laboratory. But the crew has more than the ocean seabed to fear. Ho, ho, ho. It's underwater. Listen carefully. You are now 5,000 miles from land. And you're descending seven miles to the bottom of the ocean. See you all in a month. Here we go. On a scale from 1 to 10, how bad's my rig? My 10. We drilled to the bottom of the ocean, and we don't know what came out. What is that? What is that? What is happening? There's something following us. If you saw this trailer and thought to yourself, is it alien underwater? Yes, it is. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is not better down where it's wetter. (laughs) And you can ask Kristen Stewart because she is among the crew. And you mentioned it in your written review at madwolf.com. 
it settles into those easily identifiable cliches of the crew yeah. that, uh, again, we're talking about things we've seen before. Uh, and that's what this movie does. The director is William Eubank, who directed The Signal a few years ago. Not too bad. And there are, well, let's face it, there are monsters down there. Yeah, there are a couple of things that it does right. One is casting, you know, because the dialogue is is not fresh. It's not new. Uh, and, and, you know, the characters are broad stroke, exactly what you are expecting to find in sort of a collection of humans that are going to be picked off one by one. But the cast is very talented. So Kristen Stewart plays kind of your Ellen Ripley role. And Vincent Cassell who is just wonderful in everything. He is, yeah. He's the sort of stoic and heroic captain for your chubby comic relief. <laughs> and it's funny because that's the thing. When you when you see a lineup like this, you can pick it out before anybody says a word. Oh, the fat person must be here for comic relief. I would love for that not to be the case next time. I would love for the person who isn't svelte and gorgeous to be the captain or to be the <laughs> hero. But in this case, it's T.J. Miller. So obviously, comic relief. And he does a great job. And actually, he is saddled with probably the dumbest lines... But he does them so well that they wind up working out. There you go. That's um, not easy to do. So then the other thing that it has going for it is that the monsters are pretty cool. Looking. Yeah. To be honest with you, they really are. Uh, they've got a very Lovecraftian, you know, we drilled too deep. And now what is this parallel dimension? And, and you know what? I know both of us know a lot of people that dig that stuff. Oh, absolutely. So if you're into that monster movie, especially an underwater monster movie, this could even though we didn't love it, it could fit your bill for yeah, January. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to get a lot of... Gra- and, I, and this movie is getting pretty trashed. And I don't think that there's really much reason for it, unless it's that you saw the cast and had higher expectations than you should have. It's not great. And one of the things that Eubank does poorly is he really... The first number one thing you have going for you with this premise is claustrophobia, right? You're in a vessel miles and miles and miles beneath the sea, and it's going to implode. That is scary on its own. You don't need <laughs> monsters. You should be able to, to... That itself should have you on a constant state of, of anxiety. And every time he... It's almost like there's a scene that's very reminiscent of, of The Descent, which is one of our favorite claustrophobic films, where they're crawling through the rubble, and it gets too small. Oh, and with T.J. Miller... I'm out. I'm out. Right, exactly. And with T.J. Miller, I was holding my breath because I'm thinking to myself, if Kristen Stewart is having a hard time getting through here, <laughs> <laughs> T.J. Miller is going to get stuck. But they're in the tunnel with them for a short time, and she goes, look out, it's tight. Blam, done, they're out. You know what I mean? He uh, just undercuts yeah, the claustrophobia yeah, yeah. so many times, and that's he, he has a hard time generating tension with the, the recipe he already has mm-hmm. that, you know, that should deliver those goods. There, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the trope that was used, of course, in Alien, where they have to leave their damaged base and travel yeah. to somewhere safer yep. and in doing so make them put themselves out in the open for these monsters. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's there's there's not a lot new here. There really isn't. And it's not honestly packaged all that well, but it's fine. You know, it's fine. And you know what? I like it's funny because Kristen Stewart again, you know, uh, I've I've been impressed with the choices that she's made in the last few years. She does a ton of independent film work. She, you know, she stretches. And so last year she had a bomb, right, with Charlie's Angels, but that was an interesting choice for her. Yeah. Did not seem like anything like she would do. And this and it is wasn't another that one. bad a movie. It really wasn't. And here's another one where she's she's the action hero. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a very interesting choice and she does a fine job. Yeah. The movie is uh, much too bent on ogling. I mean, mm-hmm. she's she's Ellen Ripley with an awful lot of eye makeup, but still in <laughs> underpants. You know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, but but you know what? Those I thought it was underpants fine. are an homage to Ripley. Okay, that's right. That's what they are. <laughs> but um, if you but like, 
You like a good monster movie for, what, an hour and a half? Yeah, boom, done. exactly. You might dig underwater. But underwater might be Citizen Kane next to this one. Uh, two friends with very different ideals start a beauty company together. One is more practical, while the other wants to earn her fortune and live a lavish lifestyle like a boss. We are two badass queens like those bitches who raised Wonder Woman. We've worked our asses off. We've opened up our own store. We're winning. We're $493,000 in debt. What the? Walk into the room. Mel Page and Mia Carter. I'm Clara Luna. I am going to invest $1.7 million on you. We would love a million dollars. But in my experience, business and friendship don't always mix. You don't have to worry. You're a pretty little head. My head is not little. It's just that my breasts are humongous. If you want to be a businesswoman, you're going to have to act like a boss. You have to fire him. What? Don't hate me, hate Mel. It was her idea. What? What's the what's your idea? Hey, hey, witness my tragic moment. It's going down for real. If you're like us, you've been seeing the trailer for this for a while and thinking, this is a comedy? Why? Usually you like to put funny things in the trailer for a comedy, and I don't see any. Now, we were talking about, too, yesterday, that I think, for me, the worst bad movie to sit through is a bad comedy. Yeah, especially when you have this much talent. Because oh, my God, look at yeah. This. You've got... Rose Byrne and Tiffany Haddish are, are the two main ones here, Mia and Mel, who run their own makeup company. And they have both been funny on their own several times for oh, years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, no we've question been about it. for years about how Rose Byrne has just can be a comedy MVP. Oh, yes, absolutely. Movie after movie. And, and especially in that role where she's not, she's the sidekick. Yeah. And Tiffany Haddish, she's hilarious. She's funny. You know, although yeah. she has made a lot of bad movie choices. She has. It's a case of trying to find out just the best way to showcase her. Yeah, to showcase her. And then you've got Salma Hayek and director Miguel Arteta. And they teamed up three years ago in a movie you probably missed. A lot of people did. A delightful movie called Beatrice at Dinner. So good. It really, really was. So you've got four main ones there, a lot, a lot of talent, and it's just... <gasps> it is but let's not forget Jennifer wreck. Coolidge. Je- <laughs> well, you know, that's the funny thing. The, the, the funny thing. Really, the only laughs this movie manages is with the support characters. Jennifer Coolidge is one of them. Mm-hmm. And then that Billy Porter sure. as well. They both work in the uh, in the makeup company there. The rest of it, it's just so much contrived hijinks. Because, of course, uh, Salma Hayek's character, when she comes and offers them a million-dollar lifeline to bail out their, their company that's struggling, you know she really wants to split up the best friends and take over the company. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not a surprise. But then the, the hijinks that they have to get into, of course, they some, well, there's not one but two song numbers where they're singing. No. Uh, one is a full-on song and dance. Mm. And then you have to find ways for them to eat hot peppers yeah. and have to chug milk and things like that. And it made me think, it made me remember, take a movie like Bridesmaids, mm-hmm. a hilarious movie. Oh, yeah. Now, of course, that had a scene where they all got sick from eating and then had that hilarious uh, scene. Oh, my God. But look how organic look away, that was. Look away. It made perfect yeah, it sense. Did make perfect they were sense. getting together uh-huh. to go out and talk about, yep. and instead of eating a hot pepper, they just got some bad food around. Yeah. So the hi- you can have the hijinks that don't seem like complete nonsense. Random. Right, just right. non-sequiturs because we thought this would be funny and we exactly. need filler. That's exactly right. And even then, what co- becomes of that contrivance is not funny. I Really, in the theater that I saw it with, and maybe there were 15 people in there, one guy was laughing, and he only laughed a couple of times. Uh, I Jennifer mean, Coolidge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a reason it's in January. This is one that every 
real expectation probably you had about looking at the trailer is exactly right. It's not funny. It's a complete waste of time. And it's a shame because yeah. there is real, real talent here. Mm-hmm. And we'll just have to look toward their next project. One more in limited release. Very interesting, though. It follows Dr. Alan Stone, who's treating three paranoid schizophrenic patients at the Ypsilanti State Hospital in Michigan, each of whom believed they were Jesus Christ. It's called Three Christs. I have three patients who believe they're Jesus Christ. There can be but only one son of God. Uh, That's my point. Dress me by my righteous name. God to you. Three of them in a room and study their behavior. What do you think will happen? I don't have a clue. By the grace of Jesus Christ, you are saved. Companionship, joy, hope. Will I be able to offer these men a means to find themselves? So, this is another one that's based on true events. It is. And just to be uh, complete about face, it could have used a better structure. The main problem with this film is that it's just muddy in its telling. You're not sure who the lead is. I suppose the lead is Richard Gere's character, but he doesn't really have an arc. And he's definitely the weakest of the performers in the film. And, you know, he his, his Dr. Stone is suggesting a fairly radical treatment for these three patients. But in the end, well, all the way throughout, it's not sure, it's not clear what he's trying to accomplish, whether he does accomplish anything. You know, it's basically just you're sitting with him in these three fascinating, unusual people, and you're just kind of floating there, figuring, you know what I mean? There's, It's just a fairly muddy film. However, uh, Peter Dinklage plays one of the three. He's never in his life not been wonderful. <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, the, all the three of them. Peter Peter Dinklage, Walton Goggins, and Bradley Whitford. That's that's talent there. Yeah, it really is. The one to keep your eye on is is Walton Goggins. He steals this movie. He's mud. He's just magnificent in this film. Uh, he is uh, the most confrontational of the three patients and probably the most damaged. He has the biggest arc. He just commands the screen when he's there. And when you are, when it is mainly focused in the room with these mm-hmm. three, uh, including Bradley Whitford, it's an interesting film. It just doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And Richard Gere, you know, I mean, he's made some great, great small films in the last few he years. Has. He's reestablished himself as a very solid, nuanced character he actor. Has. I thought he should have been Oscar nominated for that Norman right. a few years ago. But not but for this. Not for this. <laughs> no. He just, you know, the whole movie is him just sort of laughing bitterly and shaking his head at the irony of, of the medical system or at the whimsical behavior of his patients or what I mean he just that's all he does and it's something like that I I have to look at the director for that and you know uh, the director here John Abnett yeah who doesn't have a not no he's done a lot of TV he's done boy he directed that awful one with Al Pacino and Robert Darbert De Niro and 50 Cent years ago Righteous Kill oh my so when you when you take an actor like that, Richard Gere, and you're you're talking yeah. about those, I I do I have to I have to look back at the director mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, but um, it's too bad because I was very interested in this story because it's a fascinating I, premise. I had not heard about no. it, but it, yeah, it was fascinating to me. Yeah, but again, the execution comes up a little weak for Three Christs. <laughs> Heading to the lobby this week for some good stuff. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Out on home video, DVD streaming, uh, you might have heard of it, Joker. Yeah. Is out Actually, this week. Actually, on 
on the whole, this is a good week for anybody who likes to watch white guys descend into madness. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. I mean, not much else to say about Joker. Joaquin Phoenix, tremendous. Just glorious. Just glorious. Well, it was one of our favorites of the year as... The same with a lot of people. We expect Oscar nominations come Monday, so that one's out. Also, another one we absolutely loved. Hopefully, Oscar nominations coming Monday for The Lighthouse. Yeah, I'd be I'd be a little more surprised if it got them, but delighted. But it's another one. Man, what a what a movie that was on our best of the year list. Yeah, for just, sure. And and it was also on our best of the year for horror as well. Higher up still, it was just a great movie. I'm thinking weird. Oh yeah. Weird. I'm look looking at the way the awards season has gone so far. I'm thinking that Willem Dafoe has a shot. Has a shot. Uh, not that Robert Pattinson isn't worthy. He is. It's just. Oh my God! It's I'm, such a year for actor. Yeah, for lead I'm, actor. Oh I'm my. I'm thinking Willem Dafoe has a shot, and cinematography has yes, a shot as well. I agree because it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lighthouse. Also, Girl on the Third Floor is out on DVD. And this is a uh, an independent horror film, and it's not bad. It's not great either. It's got some good performances. It goes some weird places. It's not very. New, you'll probably see what's coming, but it's shot well. It looks good. Performances are solid. Paradise Hills on DVD. No, this Not is so just much. no. This is just bad. This is another one. It's just like you just keep seeing these faces. You're like, why is Aquafina in this movie? Why is Emma Roberts in this movie? You just keep seeing faces pop up, but at no point does the story make you glad they were here. Better news for Aquafina. She could get a phone call early on Monday morning as yeah, well. She could for uh, the farewell, which yeah, is I another think, one of our favorites. I think she surprised some people by taking best yes, actress in a yes. drama, and Lovely. she was so great. And it, she was so great in the farewell. You know, I'm a little surprised because the Golden Globes, getting off on a tangent here, the Golden Globes are so quick to label a film a comedy so that they can put it in that musical or comedy category. category. Mm-hmm. And The Farewell actually did have a lot of laughs it in it. It did have a so lot of laughs in it. wouldn't have shocked me, but uh, it's a drama. It's also a drama yeah. as well. And she was great, so we'll see about that. Uh, looking ahead to next week, we have to get up early tomorrow morning, which we're cranky about, we to, to watch Doolittle. <laughs> but we're going to do it. <laughs> so next week we'll talk about Doolittle. Also, Bad Boys for Life. Yeah. They're back at it. Will Smith and... Martin Lawrence, and a couple that are out next week that I confused. Well, The Wave, which is kind of a sci-fi film, and The Cave, (laughs) which is a documentary. Yeah. You wrote down on our notes, you wrote down The Wave, and I crossed it out and put The Cave, and you're like, no, they're two different movies. (laughs) Okay. We'll find that out for sure next week. So uh, until then, let us know what you thought about these. Hope you got a chance. Hope you get a chance to catch at least 1917 uh, this week or soon because it's fantastic. Always great to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Mad Wolf. Also, the Facebook and Instagram is at Mad Wolf Columbus. And by the way, thank you for the feedback we got for the best of list. We were talking about the best of list that we finally put to bed. And uh, one of the one of the interesting things was that we still. <laughs> I have yet to come in contact with anyone anywhere who didn't like Knives Out. That's true. I think that might be the most... So if you didn't like it, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) It would be hard. It's hard not to enjoy that movie. Everybody loves it. But we did hear from Seth. Yeah, and he just was... uh, He didn't complain, per se, about the list, but the two movies that he wanted to see on the list, Pain and Glory, which was great, Mm -hmm. Amadovar, always so great, and also Waves, Mm -hmm. which, let me be fair to you was on your original list, and I swapped it out for something else. Well, it was they were both, down at the bottom, an honorable mention. Right. So I know that they didn't make the list, right. but they're honorable mentions. Yeah. Definitely both worth seeing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. yes, indeed. It just speaks to what a great year 2019 was for film. Yeah. Waves was the latest from Trey Edward Schultz, a, a young filmmaker who has really established oh, himself. Oh, yeah, we yeah. want to see everything, everything that he, he does. does. And, of course, 
Almodovar. Yes. Yeah, say no more. So thank you, Seth. We agree with you. Those are really good films. So keep the uh, conversation going. Always glad to hear from you. Until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.